Hello everyone, Dr. Julie here, and you are listening to my Coffee Chats podcast. I am a health researcher, PhD trained, and chef self-trained, on a mission to leave the next generation and our planet a lot more of a healthier place. This is your space to ask questions on topics that no one seems to want to discuss, with information that is backed by research, along with a good dose of practical advice. Real talk, real people, real answers. Let's get into this week's episode. In this week's episode, we are going into all things the food industry. Obviously, a topic that is incredibly close to my heart. It's my life's work. It's one of my biggest missions that I am undertaking in business to date. We have the Auckland Food Show coming up. It's the 27th to the 30th of July. We'd love to see you just by the way. And it's a huge undertaking for us as a relatively small ground up food brand. This week I'm going to challenge you as listeners to think about your consumer buying power and who you are buying from. And then I have two relative caller questions. One is on do we need to give our kids sugary food? And number two is why is baby food so heavily promoted? Let's get into it. So I want to challenge you as listeners and consumers around your buying power and effectively our collective individual power to overturn the food industry. All products exist because of supply and demand. No demand, no supply. While I realize that this is ridiculously simple in theory and the reality is far more complex with the cost of food, the cost of living, accessibility, so many variables. However, I still strongly believe that collectively we can make a difference. One of the very reasons why I don't support any large takeaway chains and haven't done for well over a decade is because of this. Long before I started my food brand, I knew that if I single-handedly was supporting these companies, I am only contributing to the problem. And I don't hold that same standard of others. However, I still am going to encourage you to at least make some informed choices behind who you are supporting and buying from. We all work exceptionally hard for our money. And for those of you that are listening and potentially are out of the workforce while raising children, do not underestimate that you are still contributing. In fact, you are contributing far more than you could possibly hope to understand. It's just that your work is not credited or acknowledged in the same way. And It should be, right? It should be. Is there actually a harder job in the world than raising children? One that is so unrelenting, one that comes at the cost of your sleep, that has no sick days. I could go on. What got me really thinking about this was that on a recent trip that I did uh, with my three boys to Taupo, I was able to listen to some other podcasts. And one of them was actually on the food industry. And it really got me thinking as someone that has 
long walked this and obviously established my own food brand, but into things that I had never even looked at myself. And this is when you're looking at a food product or a company, and I'm going to use Kellogg's as an example. I've actually broken down uh, their product in my uh, sugar guide, my sugar reduction guide that I released recently. But through Dr. Julie's Kitchen, I have some muesli, uh, toasted muesli, healthy toasted muesli, and grain-free muesli, which is designed to tackle the need for a fast breakfast option, but is still really nutrient-dense. To be honest, you could eat that for breakfast, lunch, or dinner. And what this podcast was challenging us to look at was, do the people that work in these companies, do they actually consume their own products? Do they feed their children their own products? And what kind of salary are they actually sitting on? And for me, it was pretty mind-blowing. So the CEO of Kellogg's, his total yearly compensation is over $13 million. Now, this is obviously made up of a salary and some bonuses, but even if you were to just look at the salary, which would be, you know, somewhere around 10% of that, that is, that is like, I can't even imagine that amount of money. You know, everything that I earn through my business and have done now for many, many, many years goes back into the business or to literally put food on my, like my kid's table. Over $13 million. Now, I would love to know whether he, Steve, actually eats the food that Kellogg's produces and feeds to his children. And do you know what? I'm going to hazard a guess that he doesn't, and definitely not daily. I've had a look at the website. They've got some of the staff on there, you know, saying what their products are. Even one of them, really fit young guy, said, oh, who is at the peak of metabolic health, just FYI, you know, would have Cocoa Pops once a week. Not every day. Not every day. Why? Why would he not have the product that he markets and he works for in that company every day? Keeping in mind that at his age and, you know, with his biology, he is at the peak of metabolic health, let alone anyone else. Same with Coca-Cola. Let's have a look at the salary of the CEO of Coca-Cola. James, how interesting. Both male, just FYI. This is 2021, nearly $25 million, $25 million for a company that produces food with next to no nutritional value. Now, I don't support either of these companies, but I think it's worth having a look at. Maybe it won't make any difference to you or make any difference to, you know, the the products that you choose to buy from there. And that's okay. But I know for some of you, it will. And it's also why I am so incredibly grateful to each and every single one of you that does support Dr. Julie's Kitchen at anything that I do, but particularly trying to tackle these big food giants because I know what it takes. And at the time of this recording, we're not yet into supermarkets. We're working very hard on it, but we're not there yet, which means you have to take that next individual step to actually go to my website, to go through the cart, to push it in, 
to wait for it to be delivered. And we deliver really fast. You guys know that pretty much overnight. However, it's still another thing in that 150 million little things that we have to do every single day. But I think asking that question of all food companies is very valuable. You know, how much do you truly hand on heart believe in your products? And for me, you guys know I literally eat everything that I produce through Dr. Julie's Kitchen. I feed it to my children. I actually get their approval to start with. All of the videos and the stories and the TikToks, everything is going to my children. Why would I produce anything that I wouldn't be willing to feed to my own children? When I started Dr. Julie's Kitchen, long before I even launched my first product, what I did was got crystal clear on the values. And I knew from my previous experience in business how important this was because it would get tested over and over and over again. And it has. I know the cost of recyclable packaging. I know the cost of using jars, for example. I know the cost of using coconut sugar in our ginger and white chocolate cookies. All of this affects the bottom line massively. It does, but I'm not going to contribute to that problem. I'm not going to produce something which has already been produced in mass. We don't need any more of it. Food for thought. And I would say it would be bare minimum that these companies have full transparency of, at the very least, if they're not going to consume these products, why? How can they sit on salaries that big and yet that food wouldn't even touch their lips? Food for thought. Okay, call of questions. <laughs> Speaking of sugary food, and I think this is a great question. Do we actually need to give kids sugar? My simple answer is no. I'm going to expand on that, but no, we don't. We don't need to take drugs to know that they're not good for us. We don't need to take drugs to know what they do to us in order to not want to take them. I don't want to demonize sugar or even put sugar in the same category as illicit drugs. But I still want you to think about that because with sugar, there is often that view of, well, you know, if we deprive children, if they never get to experience it, will they then go out and go crazy with it? Well, yes, probably, but they're probably going to do that anyway because it is out there it's going to still produce that same dopamine response but to a very high level and in fact what it is going to do is blur those lines of is this actually a nutrient dense food is this actually something that's providing goodness or not your kids will get exposed to sugar they will because of where it is in the industry because of where it is in every pretty much every single processed food that we have. But what we are role modeling at home, what we do is where the difference lies because they are going to experience it anyway. And because of the strong dopamine response, because of that pull on the reward pleasure center, 
yes, highly likely when they have something sugary, they're going to have it in a large volume, but also because it's given in a large volume. I've often spoken about how at kids' birthday parties, I was that parent that would pick up the bowl of lollies, bowl of lollies that was at like child height and just move it out of the way because that's an awful science experiment. How can we expect children to be able to have the self-control around a huge bowl of lollies to go, oh, I'm only going to have two? Most adults wouldn't be able to do that. The World Health Organization guidelines are for no added sugar for children under the age of two. Even for adults, our recommended amount is only six teaspoons of added sugar a day. You only have to look at some of the products that you will have in your cupboards to know just how little that is. The way that the dopamine response works to sugar is that, yes, once you get used to a certain amount, you are going to need more to get that same release and that same pleasure and reward response. So the way that I see it is that, no, kids don't actually have to be given sugar, and it's the way that we do it. For those that had listened to my Food Foundation and Food Philosophy podcast, if you haven't, go back and and have a listen. You will know that I use the terminology, how much goodness is this food providing us? And that's the language that we want to use with our children. And at the same time, it's also okay to say to them, look, for example, lollies, what goodness are you getting from them? Next to nothing. That's why we don't have them at home. That's why I don't buy them for you. When you go to the hairdresser and they give you a lollipop, I'm not going to say no, but the role modeling is what you do at home because that's what children are going to remember. I mean, effectively, we are going to have to give them as much guidance as possible so that when they are having to make food choices when we are not there, they can. When we normalize these things as being just what we have in our cupboards and our fridge, that makes it harder for them to do that, not the other way around. It's giving them a clear guide of, hey, these are foods that are really supportive and what we should be having in the majority. These are things that you have that maybe you are exposed to out and about. And it's going to chop and change and you're constantly going to be met with decisions as a parent that you have to make, often in a split second. The other thing that I would say, or just to add to this, is that when your children see you saying no, it's going to give them permission to do the same. So when you have a grandparent that's like, oh, I just want to, you know, do you mind if I just give them this? Or just giving them this in front of you without even checking in. When you say no, your kids are listening and watching. And because that's what we want them to do. It's what we want them to do with their peers. And because children have a lot more intact metabolisms, because they haven't been as exposed to the volumes of sugar that we have as young children, thank you food industry, they will pick up the difference. My boys, I have watched them, you know, have cake or try cake at kids' birthday parties and gone to me, hey, mum, this is actually too sweet. 
Because when you're not used to a high volume of sugar, it actually tastes unpleasant when you get that large amount hitting your mouth because it is an overload. But when you have a reasonable amount of sugar normally, no, you're not going to notice that difference. And that's why I believe that it's actually okay to be guardians, guardians of our children's food because the food environment is so tipped up against us because it is so teeming with sugar and not just obvious sugar sneaky sugars and that's actually what I highlight in one of the Kellogg's products in my sugar reduction guide is on the label just how much sneaky sugars are in there because there are over 50 different names for sugar this may be one of the topics that you add to your food values conversation which we talked about in the last episode how do you feel about this are there things that or foods or meals that you want to have as no-nos I encourage this in my book the nourished toddler because sometimes it helps to have some boundaries when it is so skewed to the other side it is actually okay to have some boundaries in that I'm sure that this is going to be something that we come back to because not only is it an area that I'm really passionate about, there's many layers to this and even the conversation around how we talk to our children and how we guide them in this is a lot bigger than even what I've just touched on here today. Second caller question was why is baby rice so heavily promoted? Where do I even start with this? For anyone new to my work, one of my core guidelines for babies starting solids is to not introduce any grain or grain-based foods until your babies are closer to 10 to 12 months of age. I have a free blog on this on my website. I go into it in intricate detail in my book, The Nourished Baby. Baby rice is part of this because baby rice is ground up white rice. But it doesn't stop there because some of the baby rice that is available on the market has added sugar in it. Pear juice concentrate is added sugar. It's not fruit. If a natural sugar is added to a food, it is classified as added sugar because it's not naturally part of the food. So when you see something like pear juice concentrate and fruit puree added into food, baby food, that's added sugar. I don't even know how that's allowed when we literally have World Health Organization guidelines for no added sugar, but the amount of loopholes there are in the food industry is astronomical. That's one tiny one. Baby rice was the second baby food ever invented. The first was formula. Amazing. It keeps our babies alive. Baby rice was the second. It came second and it hits on a very delicate pain point which is the crucial need for iron and our babies do need to be supplemented with iron and from six months it's one of the underlying core reasons why we start solids for our babies and start from six months of age but we want that iron to come from natural bioavailable sources not fortified products to start with 
Secondly, it's also not in a high volume. And thirdly, it's on a product that is so heavily processed. It's not even funny, but it hit a real pain point and voila, billion dollar industry because it is so cheap. It's so transportable. It has an enormous shelf life. And then, yet we've got a pain point for parents. For those that aren't familiar, here in New Zealand, our major provider of maternal and infant health services is Plunkett. Plunkett is a government organisation and needs funding and needs funding for the services that it provides well beyond nutrition advice for our babies. Watties, a major producer of baby food, including baby rice, provides Plunkett with a significant amount of funding each year. And so Plunkett is stuck between a rock and a hard place because they need the funding and because they're getting that from a company that produces baby food, well, they're going to need to promote that baby food as a result. Do I think that this is so wrong on so many levels? Absolutely, but my blame doesn't lie with Plunkett. And I wish it was different, and I wish that some of the health services that Plunkett needs to be able to provide, for example, systems around protecting children from domestic violence, safe sleeping, not having smoking in the homes, So they wouldn't need to rely on such funding. Of course that's what I would want. But more importantly, I would also want the government to be able to actually provide the funding that's required so that the very vulnerable population of babies and infants is not getting skewed information right from the beginning. So much of the food industry and politics is at play and has been for many, many, many years. The old school food pyramid, most of you will be familiar with that, where it was grains eat most at the bottom, was created by the grain industry in order to sell its grains. That would be like if I made up my own food pyramid in order to sell the products that I have through my own food brand. How do we tackle this? informed choices, constantly unpacking the food industry, constantly questioning what is in our food, where is it coming from, what companies are producing it, are they eating it themselves, which leads us right back to all of the things that I was talking about at the beginning. And again, I know that when you are tired and exhausted, you rely on companies being open and honest and transparent. And we're starting to see more of this, but we've got such a long way to go. While we can't change everything overnight, we can start to make some small steps forward. And again, I am so incredibly grateful for all of the support that you guys give to my food brand because we are small, we are female-led, we have no big trust fund behind us, but I am doing what I can in order to make that difference, but I wouldn't have a shot if it wasn't for your support. So thank you, thank you, thank you, because I refuse to believe that we can't turn this beast around, that we can't have food companies, and not even just mine, but there are so many other great food companies out there also trying to make a difference. Our 
beautiful sponsorship partnership that we have with this podcast is with a coffee company here in New Zealand, also waste conscious, also ground up. And it's a beautiful partnership, by the way, and I love coffee, but it just goes to show that it's there. And like, it feels good for me as a avid coffee drinker to be able to support another company that's also doing the same as me and trying to tackle some of the same things, but in their own field, in their own industry. Alone, we can do so little. Together, we can do so much. It's one of my favorite quotes, and it keeps me going. I have no doubt that I've given you so much to think about with this singular podcast. Maybe it will change some of your food buying choices. Maybe when you see a friend or a family member or just a new local business that's starting up support them even if it's not from a monetary perspective even if it's sharing on your social feeds or doing a shout out to them or even just dropping them a message and being like hey I think what you're doing is really cool because it's what is effectively going to actually turn this big beast around. I would love to see companies like Coca-Cola completely fall over. I really truly would. I know that there are good people working for these companies and of course I want to be careful with that but to have that kind of salary for a male CEO for a company that produces things that does not contribute anything positive to this world no words required right no words required come and see us at the food show if you're in Auckland and thank you thank you thank you to all your support and until next week just want to do a shout out to our incredible sponsor 06 coffee as you all know i am coffee obsessed and 06 is a local new zealand company also very waste conscious coffee does not ask questions coffee understands and coffee gives you five minutes peace in the chaos which i really hope you get today please use the code 1506 for 15 percent off That's it for this week's episode. If you do have a question, please drop it into the contact page of my website or a DM on Instagram. Everything from food, well-being, business, motherhood and life questions are answered here. I do really hope you get in a peaceful cup of coffee or at least take some time to yourself today. Don't forget to rate, review and subscribe to this podcast to keep up to date and make sure you don't miss an episode. Until next week, with love, Dr Julie.